0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the Last Word on Sens podcast. It's been a while since I recorded a podcast. Honestly, the uh, the last couple of weeks of this season really dragged on and uh, with just other stuff happening, I didn't have much time, but super excited to get back into it today because uh, for year two, this is the second time we've done it. I've got the one and only Kevin Lee joining the podcast. Uh, Kevin, how's it going today? And thank you so much for joining.
1: Not too bad. We got a uh, Belleville Sens playoff game today, so at least we got. Some playoffs in Sens land.
0: Exactly. It's not uh, it's not all bad in Senators hockey land. There's lots to watch. I know the 67s playoffs didn't go as uh, some Ottawa fans may have liked, uh, but my Kitchener Rangers are still in it, pushing in game seven against the London Knights. Um, this is the perfect podcast. Uh, we did this exact same thing last year. Uh, we're going to go through uh, every player on the Sens this year, or most of the players anyways. We'll probably leave out a couple depth guys and anyone who got traded. Uh, but we're going to go give grades for every player on how we thought the season went for them uh, personally, and uh, I really enjoyed this when we did this last year because you and I, I think, had a had a good mix of different grading systems. You know, whether it's expectations versus reality, how much we kind of laid at the feet of of their, you know, the fault of a player um, underperforming or overperforming. So um, yeah, I'm super excited to get into it, and I think we can just jump into it right away. And who else? But let's start with the captain, Brady Kachuk. To me, this was one of the easier ones of the year. There's a couple real easy ones in here, a couple softballs, I think, and then there's a couple harder ones. But uh, uh, what, what was your grade for Brady check this year?
1: So as usual, I always give my grades based off of my expectations of these players going into the season. And Brady's got to be an A. He surpassed offensively by far what I expected from him. Like, did anybody have him penciled for 30 goals heading into the season? I don't think so. Like now, it looks like. like he definitely has the upside to be like a, an above a point per game player. So it'll be really interesting to see how he comes into the season next year.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I agree. Um, You know, 79 games, 30 goals, 37 assists for 67 points. Uh, He just took another step. Like he has literally, you know, seemingly every year uh, in his development here. And um, it, it was great to see. And I think, you know, a part of, A part of me, I gave him an A as well. And I think a part of that is not just the on ice stuff, but, you know, uh, it was clear he took another step as a leader becoming the captain this year. But uh, I think you can just kind of tell on and off the ice from what, you know, little clips we get to see anyways, off the ice too. Um, It seems like any new guy that got brought on the team, he was one of the first people to reach out and welcome them and all that. So uh, yeah, for me, it was an easy A for this one because, on the ice, absolutely amazing. But off the ice, I, I thought he uh, he really excelled as well.
1: Yeah, he might be probably the most fan friendly captain that we've had in our history. Like in the past, our captains like Alfred Carlson have been more private in their personal lives. Or Kachuk is very open, like willing to meet fans, considers like part of his job. It's a very different captain than the ones we've had in the past.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of been like that since, you know, day one. And I wonder if the age he became captain and just, I mean, it's part of it's in his family too. You look at his dad and even his brother and, and anyone who kind of knows that hot, the Kachuk family, it seems like they're always saying the same thing that, you know, they were raised the right way or whatever. And um, so it, it probably shouldn't be a surprise, but yeah, like just the amount of stories and it's not, I don't think, you know, we're we're not saying that what Carlson or Alfredson did was wrong by any means. They were just obviously, little more closed off but uh yeah like you look at the stories uh Kachuk and the guys just playing road hockey with the kids on the street or whatever and and um you know it makes it really easy to root for these uh group of guys going forward that's for sure um another pretty easy one i would say i mean he uh took a bit of a dip not oh, not even a dip in the uh, middle of the season he just got unlucky and then he had a brutal injury that wasn't his fault but drake batherson Ends the year with 17 goals, 27 assists, for 44 points in 46 games. Um, To me, this is another A, maybe even an A-plus, just like if you're only looking at the time he was on the ice. Um, What did you give him, and what what was your takeaway from Matherson's year?
1: Yeah, I would consider an A as well. I think I would have gone A-plus had he stayed healthy, and he was well on pace to finish above a point per game. Obviously, the end of the season hurt him in terms of the numbers because – even though he came back from injury you could still tell he was playing hurt and who knows if that's going to carry into the start of next season but he's proven he's like a legit top line player that makes his line better like what more can you ask for
0: yeah exactly like i i was uh, questioning heading into the year you know he obviously had a good year last year where he had 34 points in um 56 games but he looked like an NHL player which was important and my question this year was can he solidify himself as a as a top six guy heading into the year. Oh man, did he not only do that? It's almost asking how high is the limit here for this guy? Because uh, you know, he he's clearly a first line winger in this uh, league. And yeah, I I think it's only up from here. I I would not be shocked, especially if scoring rates uh, stay up. And I think that is the one thing we should probably acknowledge here is um, you know, how many hundred point guys do we have this year? 80 point guys, like, Scoring was up this year, so it, it shouldn't be a shock that a lot of these uh, sense players are also posting career bets. But at the same time, like it, it uh, he he was doing it all too, where it, it felt like the the clear difference when Drake Batherson was out of the lineup this year versus it, like the offense was a shell of itself when he was out. And some of that has to do with when he was out. Norris was also out and they missed a couple other guys. But even when it was Just Batherson coming back or Just Batherson out, it was night and day of how much he means to the lineup and helps move that right wing slot down so everyone fits in the right spot Um, all right, let's go. I just kind of want a cap friendly, so this is probably by contract uh, number to be honest. Um, uh, but let's let's go with Colin White. Uh, we'll take a break from maybe some of the easier a a's as well because there will definitely be a couple more players we get to that with. But uh, um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on Colin White in this season. Obviously, didn't get to. Didn't get to the start the year uh, right away with the Senators. Had a uh, injury in the tra- in training camp or just before the season started that kept him out for a long way. And then um, I-, I think it's fair to say he got some mixed reaction when he did play. But what was your uh, grade on Colin White and his
1: take takeaway from his whole season, really? So he's an interesting one because if you don't take his contract into account, he is an excellent bottom six player. Like I think it's he's reached the point now in his career where we realize he doesn't have the offensive skills to become a top six but he is an excellent bottom six player. Like you look at the advanced stats and for, out of the players who played 200 minutes or more, he led the team in Corsi 4 percentage. And then he had the second lowest PDO per, or PDO on the sends. Only uh, Mete had worse. So that would definitely affect his like pure regular stat numbers. Now, if you took his contract out of the equation, I think you have to give him like a solid B plus, maybe like even A minus, because he's filling the exact role that you want. A solid bottom six player who's probably near a top end third line player. It's just that a contract that he's paid is the equivalent of a top six player, which with a budget strap team like the Sens obviously doesn't work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I settled on about a B minus just because of the contract, as he said. I think um his play like i it's to the point where it is unfortunate. Like I like I feel bad. I don't I mean I, I should choose one. I don't know how to say it because I feel bad for him because he is clearly playing in a role like he's succeeding in a third line defensive role. That's the type of player he is. And it's not his fault that the team offered him a $25 million contract. I would have took that if I was him as well. So I, I but I also don't feel bad for him because the dude's making almost $5 million a year. Right. Uh, but in terms of just like a purely reactionary sense, I, I did feel bad because I think, yeah, the, the cap hit is always going to be attached to him, unfortunately, unless he gets moved. And uh I, I still, to this day, think that if they are to move off of him this summer, uh, it's probably going to be by a buyout. But wherever he goes to his next team, whether that's buyout or trade, especially like if they retain on the trade or whatever, which I I doubt they would do, but you never know. Wherever he goes to his next team, I think that fan base is going to absolutely love him. Um, and, and if he stays here, I hope this this fan base can learn to – acknowledge that yes the cap hit is what it is it's not ideal it's two million too much but he is an extremely useful third line forward that any good team would love to have and you know for that reason again it's more of the same this year as last year where he it is under his uh, actual numbers aren't uh, they're pretty underwhelming if you look at it for his cap hit but yeah you dig deeper into the kind of player he is and the role he's played when he's healthy and I give him a B minus, maybe a B, but I think, you know, including that contract it's right in that B minus, B
1: minus range. Uh,
0: Connor Brown, uh, curious to get your thoughts on him too, because this was another interesting one where uh, didn't have the healthiest of the years, only played 64 games, which uh, obviously isn't the worst or anything like that, but it was in and out of the lineup at times and um, just kind of continued his year as being a, the the Swiss Army knife really is kind of what I, I think of him as for this lineup. He'll just slide up and down the lineup as, as needed. Like we saw him on the first line at times, second line. We saw him down in the bottom six when everyone was healthy for a couple games here and there as well. Uh, what was your thoughts on Connor Brown and what grade did you give him?
1: I think what surprised me about Brown is he got 21 goals last year, but it was often insane shooting percentage, which everyone knew wasn't sustainable but somehow this year he made it up by like doubling his assist total <laughs> from last year to end up with nearly the same like point percentage. I think you have to give him like probably a B or a B plus, like what probably brings him down is his end to the season, but you give him some relief knowing that he played those last 10 games with those wrist injuries.
0: I give him a B. I just kind did what you expect Connor Brown where threw up some points. Again, Is a good, very useful middle six kind of player where He's not going to really drive his own line or anything like that, but his his underlying stats were all just okay as well. You know, they're about 50%. Of course, four and slightly under, I think, in expected goals, but that ranked uh, literally fourth among forwards to play 200 more minutes and fifth if you include a 150 for Matthew Joseph in there. Um, so, yeah, he he just kind of did exactly what uh, you would expect, for, especially at his price tag too. I think it's, what, $3.6 3.4, something in there. It's just kind of exactly what you expected out of Conor Brown. And if he does that again next year, I will have absolutely no problems with the season. Uh, Chris Tierney. This is something tells me this might be the lowest grade we got. Uh, you go first. I want to see if I'm being too harsh here.
1: I don't even think he met. Like I didn't have the highest expectations of Tierney going into the season, given how he ended last season. And I still think it was just a struggle. Like, I don't know whether it's just like injuries that have added up, but he's not the same player that we had when we first acquired him. I'd probably have to give him like a D just because he didn't bring anything to the team that we needed from him essentially for like any aspect of the game.
0: Yeah. I was, uh, I was giving him a D D minus. Like he, he was one of the closest ones I had to just even like thinking about an F because yeah, he, uh, it, I just, it's not his fault. Like he, he, I think took a lot of heat from this fan base because he was put in a position where it's not really his fault that he didn't succeed at times in the past years where like he was playing 2C and like even last year or heading into this year, it's like, no, Chris Tierney's are 2C, not Shane Pinto. I don't know what you guys are talking about with Shane Pinto and like two games in it's like, yeah, Shane Pinto's are 2C, it's not Chris Tierney. But yeah, he just, he slid down, down, down the roster to the point where it was like when they were even remotely healthy Chris Tierney was not one of their best 12 forwards. And, and, you know, uh, it's – I think they've already announced or it's been reported that they're letting go of or they're not re-signing him, which was a given from basically anyone, I think. But, you know, it it being official is maybe not a sigh of relief. But, um, yeah, it it was not a great end to his uh, tenure here, which uh, he's played a lot of games for this team, to be honest. Like, he is probably going to end up in one of those guys where it's like – I will forget that he was on this team for – what was it, five years, four years, I guess now, and uh, I'll probably forget that he was on this team at the start of next season, despite him playing, like, over 200 games, I think, for Ottawa, but.
1: Yeah, and what's um, wild is remember when they got their contracts, most people were fine with Brown and Tierney being paid the exact same amount, pretty much.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it's kind of, it's weird how the narrative shifts, right, and it's but it's just been a downhill slide, like, in 2019-20, he had 37, or even, you know, you can go before that. His first year here, 2018-19, 48 points in 81 games. All right, that's not bad. Second year here, 37 points in 71 games. That's not great, but for a bottom six guy, if you're only paying him a couple mil, you know, you could do worse than that. And then last year, 19 points in 55 games. Well, that's not ideal. And then 18 points in 70 games this year, it's like, all right, well, that is just, you can't have that, especially when you're paying him what was it, three four million dollars like you just you absolutely
1: can't have that with power play two time
0: <laughs> yeah exactly right and i mean the power play two was uh, a mismatch of who's who had time in the year especially when uh man that stretch. the power play one was laughable when norris and batherson and shabbat were all out at the same time <laughs> power play two. but um let's go to another guy who um We don't need to touch long on him here, but they also announced he wasn't coming back, and that's Tyler Ennis. Uh, I have routinely defended Tyler Ennis to the point where I don't know what I see versus NHL teams, seemingly, because he didn't seem to really work in Edmonton. I loved when they brought him back for Ottawa, and I thought he was a very useful 12-15 forward. I have him at like a B-minus, C-plus this year. Like I don't think he... He's not doing anything special. I just think he's a very fine guy to have on a $1 million contract or whatever every year. Uh, I'm not shocked they're walking away from him by the sounds of, like, that's not the guy you need to prioritize signing right now. If anything, I think they could circle back, like they did this year, and sign him to a PTO, and then a one-year deal. But uh, what were your thoughts of Tyler
1: Ennis this season? Yeah, I'd probably give him, like, a B plus. Like, he definitely exceeded my expectations, given where his career is at now, like signing a PTO and then actually making a team. And from the eye test, he was very noticeable out there. Every game he played, like he would drive the offense. You'd see chances chance He put up like a decent amount of points, like 24 points in 57 games. Like he did more than you can ask for of a guy that you'd signed out of a PTO. Yeah, exactly.
0: Like he just kind of chipped in whenever he needed to. And he didn't seem to, even when he was getting healthy scratch at times, like he didn't really seem to complain or, or make a bother out of it, which, you know, some veterans might. And like, I was the point, I was pretty surprised they didn't, get anything for him at the deadline. Like I thought a team for sure would give up a, a fourth or fifth just to have some insurance on their fourth line there. Um, Let's see. All right, let's get to a couple more easy ones, I guess, with a couple bigger names here. Uh, uh, let's start with Tim Stutzla. I'm sure team fans are, are waiting to hear us talk about him as well. Uh, A-plus for me. Uh, this is maybe my only A-plus on the whole thing. Maybe there might be one more. Uh, For me, easy A+. uh, Not only did he have a career year really for himself, but he did it at a position we haven't seen him play yet. He moved into center. He's starting to drive his own line. And to the point where it's like, I went from two years ago feeling a little bit scared about Ottawa. I thought they needed a real difference maker up the middle to the point where now with how good, and we'll get to Norris in a a second, but with how good Norris, Stutzla, and Pinto as a 3C might be, I'm loving Ottawa's center depth going forward.
1: Yeah, I would go with uh, an A. I think I'm very close to an A-plus as well, like you said, but he had a, a bit of a cold start to the season in terms of point production, but obviously he figured it out once he got moved to center, and we have definitely saw his game evolve a lot from the first half to the second half in terms of his offensive output. And the big thing I think this year is how much we've seen his defensive game improve.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's kind of cool to hear him talk about how, you know, that was something he wanted to improve as well. Um, you know, I think we, uh, and, and who knows, he's got to do it again year over year to show he is, you know, that kind of player, right? Like, well, uh where's it going to go so far? But um, especially when it comes to advanced statistics, defend, uh, defensive metrics can be still pretty noisy just because we don't have the greatest tracking data for them. So, you know, and if it's just a random year where he's not bad defensively or whatever, you might think past it. But the fact that he actually pointed to stuff he was working in the offseason said, no, 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 like, I actually want to get better here. I noticed that I was getting beat out of place in my own end or i wasn't turning over the puck enough or whatever like that's really encouraging to me not only just as a player now but as someone who clearly wants to just keep working on getting better every year going forward um let's throw the other sentiment in there actually as well i guess while we're at it josh norris uh you know again like like many guys here uh, spent some time on the injured list this year but uh you know, when healthy looks pretty good up in the top of that lineup and' fit right in at that one C slot like he did last year. Uh, what's what were your opinions on josh norris and what what grade did you give him?
1: Just like all the other top liners, another a like above forty goal pace. And I guess the only question we have going forward is that shooting percentage is sustainable. Most people think it is, but it'll definitely be something interesting to watch in the coming seasons.
0: Yeah, especially as you know, teams probably can become more and more aware of it, where they they really focus on him on a power play or whatever, right? And I think we saw it at times at the end of this year. I can't remember who they're playing, but they were in overtime with it would have been three weeks left maybe, and literally they were on a four on three in overtime, and two of the penalty killers were like almost just guarding him basically, so he couldn't get a one timer off. But um, the cool thing about that is, you know, even if they they do start marking him, and maybe the goals don't. Uh, keep skyrocketing skyrocketing up that coverage is going to open up stuff for everyone else right so if it's on the power play that's going to let shabbat and stutzla walk wide open down and move the puck at will right it it through the slot and everything which um is extremely encouraging as well yeah i I give josh norris may um again another another solid season um i i think maybe the one thing i would want to see a little bit more of him going forward is just if he wants to take that step to being the legit one C, is maybe driving his own line a little more. Um, his underlying numbers weren't bad by any means, but if he wants to take that jump from like fringe kind of one C, you know, in, in I would say he's right now from like the 23rd to 32nd best centerman or in the league, right, right in that gap. If he wants to take that jump to like top 20 kind of guy, I, I think driving play a little more is probably what we gotta see yeah. for.
1: I agree with that because, like, at the moment, his really only elite talent is like shooting, right? Like, nobody would call him any of his other skills right now like a top center, elite talent. So, well, he's only uh, 22, so so a lot of laneway left for development.
0: Yeah, exactly. And honestly, even if this is what he caps out as, that's still a win. Like, I I did not see Norris being a one C at all in any capacity. To be honest, I thought you know his role would be as a good two C on this team or whatever. But so. You know, even if it doesn't get much further, that is still great. But I do think there is room for him to approve, and I'm excited to watch it go forward as well. Um, all right, let's go. Let's go, Matthew Joseph, a deadline pickup, obviously uh, in the swap for Nick Paul. Uh, I gotta give him an A as well. I, I love Matthew Joseph since coming over. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to see how the team treats his last you know his time in Ottawa like I think I don't know I'm foolish isn't the right word but I think jumping into you have to be very confident this is who he is if you want to extend him to multiple years uh, I think if you want to give him a two-year deal I think that would work on both sides maybe even a three um but the the Matthew Joseph we've seen in Tampa versus here it has been night and day like not only from a points perspective but a controlling play analytics style as well uh what were your thoughts on matthew gosip in an ottawa Senators uniform
1: yeah obviously given the limited 11 game sample Mm -hmm. but it has to be an a plus for me because he exceeded like every expectation both traditional stats he ended up being i think above a point per game in ottawa and then he ended up being the course leader if you don't take into like his lower time on ice like what mark can you ask for now at the same time i don't have a pencil in the top six next season like I do not think this is sustainable. Like, I hope he shocks me next year and, like, like just keeps it up. But I'd be shocked if we see this type of production over the course of, like, the entire next season. Yeah,
0: I'd be angry if this team went, oh, we got Matthew Joseph. That's our top six edition this summer. Because the nice thing about finding a Matthew Joseph is you can keep bumping him down the lineup. And then, like a team like in Florida we're watching right now, where they have four lines that are just incredibly dangerous. It's like, how amazing would it be if you can go get a top six right winger? And you can play like a line of like Formington, uh Pinto, and Joseph on your third line, or like Connor Brown, Joseph, and and uh, Pinto, or something like that. It's like, what like extreme wealth that could be for a team that you know has the guys up front that can compete with the big guys as well. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. Where I, I think if fans are expecting him to come be a a point per game guy next year, uh, let's chill on the expectations. But uh, um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of player he can be because there's always use for a, an extremely effective third liner or whatever who could slide up the lineup if injuries happen.
1: Yeah, I almost wonder if we're going to see kind of like a Duclair resurgence where his career was kind of middling, like couldn't really crack top six, comes to Ottawa, figures it out, and then goes to Florida where he's just started to light it up. Maybe we got lucky and that's what Matthew Joseph's uh, career will go like and he'll become that top line player, but wait and see. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, DeClairs was weird, too, because honestly, like he took another step forward in Florida, too. Like when they when Ottawa lost, I was like, yeah, that's unfortunate. But like, I don't know, he's a good middle six guy or whatever. He had 40 points in 66 games in Ottawa getting, you know, about every opportunity that he could. And then he goes to Florida and it's like, oh, no, he's going to become like an analytical god as well. Now, like drive play and put up 58 points in 74 games. It's like, oh. Well, that's great. <laughs> I didn't really see that coming, but yeah, if Duclair could follow—or uh, not Duclair, sorry—if uh, Matthew Joseph could follow anything like that, that would be a huge win. Uh, considering you also got other assets back for trading a, a guy who you weren't seemingly going to resign. Um, and you know, quickly on Nick Paul too, I think he did everything you could ask for him as a send here. Um, you know, I would give him a B B plus for his year here. Um, again, like he just kind of. I'm happy to see that he kind of found a role eventually in Ottawa. It's sad to see that he got traded, right, as he did kind of, kind of find his niche in that third line kind of area. But, um, yeah, the Jason Spezza trade tree lives on. So that's all that really matters. Um, Alex Formanson, that's one. That's probably the biggest name we haven't gotten to yet. Um, very interesting year. Started the year, people wanted him traded, <laughs> uh, which feels like an eternity ago. Uh, and then goes on an absolute heater about midway through the year to the point where it's like it went the complete other way where people were calling him, like, the fifth member of the core or whatever, uh, and kind of ended just in the middle. Um, 32 points in 79 games, which is more underwhelming than the 18 goals. He only had 14 assists. Uh, what was your thoughts on Alex Formington's season this year?
1: I think he had to give him a B+, plus just because – he did make a big jump, like, even just cracking the team this year and having a solid roll. Like, if he could get some finish to his game, I think he could top out as a 30-goal scorer. Now, I'm not saying that's a guarantee. Like, he would really have to improve the finish to get there, but he's looking like he can be a consistent 20-goal scorer, and his uh, speed is just deadly on the penalty kill. Now, the only thing I would really like to see improvement on is just, like, his driving play five on five, right? Like, he's still limited in that capacity, but he's still young, so like all the others – Room for improvement.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's not like he was always playing with the best line mates I felt like this year. Like, especially when a couple of the big guys went down, he was getting really the short end of the stick at times where it's like, oh, yeah, you're playing with, like, Adam Gaudet and Tyler Ennis in our top six. and It's like, I like those guys. That's, like, 12th and 13th forward, you know, 11th and 12th forwards, but I don't know if I like them on the second line or whatever. So um, yeah, I definitely think that's one area of improvement, and uh, I'm I'm gonna give him a B plus as well. I think uh, you know for where he lacks driving play at five on five, his speed and and just ability to disrupt other teams on the penalty kill as well. I think yeah should give him some credit. Um, I don't I haven't actually looked into the numbers, but just by the eye test, Ottawa had one of the most just like not scary penalty kills, but could just flip it on your on your head in an instant. You know, and even even a guy like Connor Brown, who I don't think is like necessarily speedy would just turn pucks over and just go ripping back the other way and creating chaos and yeah eventually some of those like if you have 20 breakaways in the span of 30 games eventually more than two of those will turn into goals you would like to think um so yeah i definitely think there's lots of room for improvement but performance and again just being a solid middle six kind of guy i think is not what it wasn't guaranteed heading into this year and i i think you could be pretty optimistic about it um, all right, let's get to a couple of the three depth guys real quick uh, for the four core. And that'll that'll basically wrap it up. Uh, let's go Austin Watson first. Um, probably the most main guy. And I'm, I mean, he is the only one of the contracts so far for next year. Uh, what was your thoughts on Austin Watson this
1: season? I think he pretty much met exactly like my expectations of been Like I don't have exactly the highest expectations of a player like Austin Watson. So it's a solid B. I will say he finished the, the year really strong. Where it was that line with uh, him, Parker Kelly and Gambrell? Like it was impressive how much offensive zone time they drove for that little stretch at the end. And he did find a bit of a scoring touch in the end of the season as well. But obviously we know that's usually not sustainable for a player of his like caliber, but he's pretty much bringing exactly what the Sens I hope had in mind when they brought him in. Yeah. I was going to say, I
0: don't think there's any way you could have expected much more than what he's uh, brought. I'm going to give him a C, a C probably uh, the biggest reason why is they get crushed when he's on the ice at five on five in terms of possession-wise. And I'm not expecting him to be a Patrice Bergeron on possession guy or anything like that. But I do think that is one of the biggest improvements this team needs to make because I think anyone listening right now would be like, oh, you know, for a team that finished, I don't even know, what is it, seventh last, eighth last, wherever Ottawa finished, this is a pretty optimistic rating standpoint. You know, we we really haven't given out too many. We've given out one D, I think, a couple Cs, but it's been a lot of A's and B's. But the one place I really think Ottawa can improve is their bottom, their depth, and that that fourth line especially. I think some of that will come naturally maybe with a guy like Parker Kelly getting to play full-time. Um, you know, I would like to see them bring in enough guys this coming year that Austin Watson's your 13th forward because I, I think he's a fine 13th forward if they if you know it's going to be a physical game. You can insert him in the lineup. He'll go get Chippy. He clearly, showed he wasn't afraid to do that at different times this year. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – I think if you're relying on him to be your 12th forward all the time, um, he plays such a physical game too, where I don't know how much the health is going to hold up. Like he blocks so many shots where it's like, how are you coming back from this without a broken foot or whatever. Right. And um, you know, even this year he missed uh, uh, 15 games last year. He missed about half the shortened season as well. Um, and you know, he's, he went and played 37 and 53 in the previous two with Nashville. So um, yeah, I, I give him a seat. Like I, I don't think he was uh, too far below my personal expectations either, but I just think there's, you can improve on him probably pretty easily. And I hope that they do so in the next year or two. God, that Gambrell and Kelly were the last three that I had. Uh, We could group some of these guys. Like I Gambrell, I, I don't understand. I saw people asking if they should bring him back. I didn't think he was all that guy. I mean, they ended the year pretty well, but like, this is another guy where it's like, guys, you can find a Dylan Gambrel just like the Ottawa Senators did this year for a seventh round pick or whatever, almost every year. Uh, I would give him, like again, like a C. He got crushed at five on five for most part. parts. He didn't do less than what he was asked to, but he definitely didn't. I didn't think he did too much more. Uh, I would give Gambrel a C, and another guy I think they should probably try and look to approve upon this year.
1: Yeah, he's kind of the same boat as Watson for me, where I had the lowest of expectations for Dylan Gambrel. So, I give him a B just because, like, I didn't expect him to be anything more than a a placeholder player, essentially. But, like you said, I'd be shocked if they brought him back because what's the point?
0: (laughs) Yeah, literally. Like, it's like at at this point, it's like I don't even think he'd be their 14th or 15th for it if they, you know, bring in a couple just decent players next year. Um, And, you know, even if he is, like, I'd rather see a a younger guy push, like Castellic or someone like that, push for a spot on that fourth line instead of the umbrella. So, um, then, yeah, we got to that and Kelly Kelly. I'm going to give a, a B plus to. He surprised me a little bit. Um, you know, again, I wasn't expecting a ton, but just, you know, the fact that a guy who's a little bit younger just showed some jump in that lineup and, and really kind of kickstarted that fourth line in the last couple uh, weeks of the season as well. Um, encouraging enough, like, I don't think he did anything special enough to warrant like an A or A, like I don't, I'm not expecting him to be anything more than a fourth liner going forward, but getting an NHL player like that is a useful thing now.
1: Yeah, I would agree with Adam Kelly, like a B plus, He showed some like a lot, probably more offensive skill than most people expected. And you can tell he's a worker out there with some speed, which a player like Austin Watson lacks, which is really going to help, I think, Kelly's game as he hopefully gets a longer NHL stint. And then when we jumped to Gaudet, I think he's probably like a B-minus, C+. plus, Even though we got him for free, like, you would have hoped he would have brought a bit more of an offensive game, especially with the opportunity Ottawa gave him. Like, Ottawa inserted him into so many, like, good offensive opportunities, and he never quite was able to take advantage of any of them.
0: Yeah, I gave Gaudet a C, C-minus. Like, I, I like the player. He just doesn't really have a fit on Ottawa, I don't think. You know, he kind of he doesn't really feel like he can be a, an effective fourth line player. Like a guy like Parker Kelly might be able to who's you know, kind of fast and uses his body to disrupt the forecheck, but there's just not, I don't think he's good enough to play in the top nine either. And I think they have better options. So yeah, he really got everybody and there was times where he should flashes and looked amazing. You know, there was a couple of times where he just undressed a defenseman or, or made a beautiful pass. Like why can't you do this a little bit more because then he would be a full timer. But yeah, I think that that's probably another guy where it's like, I'm not going to lose much sleep if they move on from him this year because, you know, I, I think he is an NHLer for some team, but I just think that team might be closer to like an Arizona Coyotes team that just kind of needs a warm body for their top nine. Um, all right. That probably wraps up the forwards, I think, unless there is anyone big you can think of that I'm missing. Um, I don't think there is. Castell uh, was probably the next one. Pinto, obviously. Uh, can't really judge a guy off of five games, one of which or two of which he played about three shifts in with his shoulder or his collarbone hurt or whatever. So, um, yeah, let's move on to the defenseman then. Uh, uh, let's start with the big one, Thomas Chabot. Uh, obviously, again, for the second year in a row, didn't actually get to finish the year, uh, which is unfortunate to say the least. He only played 59 games this year at 38 points in that 59 games. Uh, what would you make of Chabot?
1: I think just like all the top end forwards it's another a he took another step i think in his development where he showed like there's no doubt now that he is the number one defenseman can carry the load play heavy minutes and i his only i guess negative is he's being held back sometimes by his line mates
0: yeah that's the thing here too i i, I was like I, maybe i'll give him an a minus i So I want to see him control play a little more, but then I look, it's like, well, the dude's been stapled, like Josh Brown for 90% of it. And and Nikita Zaitsev for the entire time. It's like, what do you really expect him to accomplish in terms of dominating play? Right. And, um, yeah, it's so obvious just kind of watching him with the eye test and everything too, that he is clearly a number one defense when he eats minutes. And he's, uh, he's improving in his own end too. Like he's not, uh, he's not elite or anything in his own end, but he's competent and that is much better than he was even last year, I would say to the point where it's like, he's not a liability anymore. So that's a nice progression to see as well. So yeah, I give it a A minus that kind of range. Um, you're never going to complain about having Thomas Chabot on your team and him being your number one. So, uh, um, our Tim zoo, um, uh, I think this would be a one where the fan rank would just be an easy a plus people wouldn't even have to think of it, but, uh, uh what do you think of Zub's second season in the nhl um and with ottawa here
1: so what's interesting with Zub is my expectations with him going this season are obviously much higher than they were the previous year now that we know what he is so i think he pretty much has met my bar of expectations so he's a solid b right like he's your perfect stay-at-home defenseman decent puck mover i think the one surprising thing this year was he showed he has a bit of an offensive game if you remember really early in the year he was getting some power play time Obviously, I can't really use that towards the grade because he only got that for a short stretch before he got moved off of the power play and never got to see it again. But he's pretty much met exactly what you hope out of him.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think he hit the nail on the head there, where it's uh, he's a perfect three slash four on a defense core. I think you know, like a, a, there's a very easy way where you can see Shabat and Sanderson are the two main guys, and he's a perfect guy to to complement them where. He's very responsible. defense. I think he's their best defensive defenseman probably at this point. Um, and you know he he doesn't. He's not going to kill you offensively or anything. But he again, he's he's competent enough. Where yeah, he shows flashes, and you have to respect him. And that's all you really need of a guy who's going to play good defense. Uh, he he would be the perfect par- partner to me for um, either of Shabat or Sanderson long term. Um, just as a guy who. You know like I know everyone keeps circling back to the Carlson's method. Um, I, I don't know if that's the perfect comparison or not, but to me, like uh, Shabbat and Zub could be a, a first pair that you have no issues being a first pair for a number of years. Um. All right. Let's go to Victor Mete. Oh, we'll go to Victor Mete. Get an easier one, I think, out of the way here. Um. Very fair to say, I think that this was one of the most underwhelming players of the year to the point where I am going to give him an F. Um, he just wasn't good enough. I wanted him to work. I thought it was unfair that he didn't get chances at the start of the year. And then he did start playing. And it was one of the worst things I've seen in a little while. So I, I just can't defend him. I want him to work. I wanted it to work out, but it just didn't work out this year.
1: Yeah. He's a D for me. Like exactly what you said. Like he get, showed a lot of hope and spark like last season. And then, was just like a total step back in like every aspect of his game this year
0: yeah like well, him and Josh Brown together were literally one of the worst pairs I've ever watched play hockey and I watched Dion Phaneuf and Cody Ceci play shutdown minutes against Crosby and Malkin in a conference final one year so uh but no okay like, it was just it was tough to like he just I don't know where the slick puck moving skating skills went like he just kind of like he treated the puck like it was a grenade on a stick at times this year and that was just not the guy we saw at all last year. So I think he's the third of the group they said they were moving on from, which doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I, again, I think he'll find another team to play with, and I hope he does because, uh, you know, what we saw last year was just night and day. But, uh, yeah, this year was pretty ugly, I, I think is uh, fair enough to say, right? Um, all right, let's go to – Eric Branchup, how about that? The other guy last year that looked really good uh, didn't get a shot. To, again, it's like surprisingly—I've ranted about this too many times on this show—but surprisingly, just didn't get a shot until they absolutely had to give him a shot, and then just never really came out of the lineup. Uh, what do you think of Branchup this year?
1: I think I'm give him a B minus. Like, I'm a huge Branchup fan, and I think fans have to start looking at him as more of a puck-moving defenseman than an offensive defenseman. He is fantastic at transitioning that puck up the ice, which for a high-end skilled team, which Ottawa looks like they're trying to become, is invaluable, right? Like you get that puck to our first line and they'll take it from there. And his defensive game, we definitely saw improve from last year. Like he's starting to understand his limitations with his size and how to use that. I think where you get the minus in my B-minus case is you really hope he would put up a lot more points this season, especially given he got a good stretch of power play one time when Thomas Chabot was out.
0: Yeah, it's to the point with Branstrom where I think we need to just stop the narrative that he's an offensive defenseman. He might have been that in junior. He is sure not that in the NHL. Zero goals, 14 assists. Uh, he can move the puck. Like he's not, that's not the issue. But yeah, he's not, like, I, I saw a number of times this year people be like, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, say what you want about Branstrom, but two points in nine games this is good enough for an offensive defenseman. It's like, okay but who says he needs to be an offensive defenseman you know like if he's responsible in his own end and can help move the puck up that should be good enough especially for a third pair guide or whatever right so um yeah i gave him a, I, I gave him a c plus and the reason I, I feel like i'm being a little too harsh to him he was still better than a number of players on this blue line but i was really hoping he was going to take like a legit step into being a top four guy this year and I still think it's very, very, very much out in the air, where I feel more comfortable with, it, with him on a on a third pair than I would in a top four or whatever. Um, you know, he even struggled kind of controlling play as well at times, so I'd give him a C plus. I, I still think he is probably one of the fourth or fifth best defensemen on, on that play this year for Ottawa, but it, it just compared to where I was hoping him to take the step, and maybe that's a little bit of my fault that I was projecting a little too much, but it just – it's pretty clear that he's not going to be this top pair guy we traded Mark Stone for, which we got to get over, right? It it kind of reminds me of the call White contract thing. It's like, yes, I know he's attached to the Mark Stone trade. That cannot be his fault. We need to readjust. Um, okay, let's go to Nikita Zaitsev. Let's get this one out of the way as well. Um, uh, you go, because I, I, I'm I going to be harsh. I think I might be a little harsher here. Uh, just because I can't imagine your expectations were very high for the sites
1: Zaitsev. Yep, exactly. Given my grading of expectations, it's just pretty much like a rinse repeat of every year—a solid B. Just because he's exactly what you expect as Zaitsev. Like, what more is there to say?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I tried not to just shit on the guy too much anymore. Like, I just—it's kind of beating a dead horse at this point, right? But. I think you need to move on from him this offseason as all say I don't care how you do it, if it's a buyout, if you if you just have to eat a third or whatever to trade him. Like I just you need to bury him in the minors for all I care. You need to not have him on your NHL team because it's if he was playing third pair of minutes, and, and I am to be honest, I'm like I gave him an F, uh, maybe a minus, T- but it's the point where I don't even think he's an NHL defenseman anymore. But that's not the issue. If he was at least playing like number six minutes, I could probably get over it. DJ Smith will not use him in that role and he's made it very, very clear. So uh, to me, it kind of reminds me of when, you know, we got to this point with Key Boucher, you got to take his toys away. And uh, I like DJ Smith, generally speaking, I I think he's done some good and some bad, but um, Zaitsev is one of the toys you need to take away this summer. And yeah, the less said about his actual year playing hockey this year, I think the better probably, Um, you know, his point totals amazingly dipped as well. He, Eleven and sixty-two, which uh, I sh- shouldn't be surprising. He had a ton of last year where he was just bombing the point, uh, the puck from the point, and it was just hitting a body, hitting free skates, and going in or whatever. Um, which I mean, you hey, create your own luck, right? But uh, yeah, up for me is a, a D minus and someone that I, I they, they just if they want to get better, he cannot be playing top four minutes for them. It's pretty much that simple. Um. Two guys here. i, I interested to get your take on both of them. Let's start with the one that was on the team all year, but got sent down to the AHL for a bit. Michael Delzato uh, came back up at the end of the year. And to be honest, I thought looks not great or anything, but I, I thought he didn't look that out of place at the end of the year when he was getting some playing time uh, due to some injuries and whatnot. Uh, what were your thoughts on Delzato this year?
1: Yeah. Like I didn't have the highest expectations of when we signed Delzato. I wasn't like a big fan of signing, but I think, during his time in Ottawa, he actually was better than I expected him to be. I would give him like a B plus. Like he exceeded my expectations of what he would bring this team. Like I wasn't expecting much, but like you said, to end the season when he got ice time, he did not look out of place out there.
0: Yeah, I give him a B minus. Like he just was fine. Um, the problem with him was definitely he just never fit this team. Like we had way too many left handed defensemen anyways, and he didn't bring a different element or anything. But you know, that being said, he put up 13 points in 26 games in the NHL this year. And I really do think it might get to the point where a team might take a flyer on him next year, if, even if he starts as the seventh defenseman or whatever for Ottawa. And, um, if we would have done this grading back in November or whatever it was, where he was getting his real estate <laughs> agency or whatever, um, I would have given I don't think I would have ever saw a team taking a, a flyer on him, where I, I definitely think it's at least a possibility this year now. So, um, yeah, BB B minus for him, like he didn't, he definitely wasn't anything special, but as long as you know that was going to be the case heading in, I think that's okay, right? Um, and then the other guy is the guy they picked up uh, at the deadline, and Travis Hamanek uh, really raised some eyebrows and some questioning, and, and fairly so, I think, but uh, in terms of purely his on-ice stuff, um, I feel like people... People were like, this was I like for a little bit too, where he wasn't Cody CC. So people lo- like liked him for a year or whatever. Uh, Hammonick wasn't like the absolutely worst player you've ever seen before uh, when he played with Ottawa. So people were like, I oh, know, he's actually pretty good. I still don't think he was all that great with Ottawa. I'm going to give him a C minus. Um, you know, he, he got crushed at five on five and expected goals. And Corsi four when he was on the ice and, and a uh, small enough sample, like 325 minutes, but, Still, like, considering I didn't think he brought much more to the table, you know, he played with an edge, I guess, a little bit some games, and maybe maybe he can credit him with that. But, yeah, I don't don't know if I agree with the general narrative I saw with the fan base uh, on this one.
1: Yeah, I kind of repeat what you said there. Like, I had low expectations of him coming in, so he met those low expectations, so it's a B for me. But like you said, I think people overrate him just because he's not Josh Brown, he's not Nikita Zaitsev. Like, I pray that he's not on the first pair of ring with Shabbat next year, because I feel like we're just going to go through another rinse-repeat cycle of Shabbat being held down by his partner.
0: Well, and they said they want to play him with Sanderson, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, oh, my God. No, like, no, 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 no. Come on. Like, you had Shabbat developing this player despite the partners you were playing with him. Don't double down with your next best defensive prospect that we've seen in years, right? But, um, yeah, I just – I don't know. Like it just uh, the the trade never made sense to me. And again, like I wanted to give him a fair shake, and I still do Like I'm not, not like I want to see this guy fail or anything like that. But yeah, I just don't think he played that great this year. And um, you know, maybe as the team improves, we'll see him improve as well. But I definitely think it's kind of like much like the Zaitsev situation, where it's like if he's your sixth defenseman, you're probably okay. But playing in the top four just doesn't feel like a recipe for success at this point. Um, and then I, I grouped these two together just because they both were up and down at times in the year, but it's JVD and Lassie Thompson. Uh, uh, young guys on the blue line, obviously, they played, uh, um, I think, I, I don't even know. I, mean, I have to look it up actually right now, how many games each one played. I was going to guess it felt around the same, to be honest, but I guess JBD only played eight, which uh, feels low now that I am uh, talking this one out loud here, But uh, and Thompson played 16, so yeah, 16, eight. Um, I think these guys both beat B-plus kind of range. Like, uh, I didn't think either of them looked amazing, but I thought they both looked like NHL players, which was a good thing.
1: Yeah, like, it's A-minus for me for both of them, just because they both are ahead of, I think, where I expected them to be at this point in their development curve. Like, they both proven they can play NHL minutes. And, again, the bar is low, but they look better than, like, Zaitsev and Brown and probably even Hamannik, to be honest, when they're paired with bot. So, like, I almost wonder if these guys get a fair shake to be Shabbat's partner next year, potentially.
0: Yeah, I would love to see it. I'm worried they won't because just everything we've seen of Smith to this point kind of makes me think that won't happen. But, yeah, like, that was one of the puzzling things about the Hamnick thing. It's like, I think both JBD and Lassie Thompson are ready for any show minutes next year. And, um, you know, you can't just assume that that's going to happen. You obviously want backup just in case. but. I'm worried that they're not even going to get a fair shot or both of them won't get a fair shot. And yeah, I really, really liked what I saw in their limited time in the NHL this year. So uh, I don't see why that wouldn't continue next year. Um, I think that's it for the defenseman then. Uh, Josh Brown, out. Holden, right. Yes. Yes. Um, that probably says about all you need to expect from me. I, I gave him notice. I I'd give him a C like he just, he was fine. I think, I wasn't expecting a ton out of him. He wasn't amazing. Um, but he wasn't a li- a complete liability out there either. Like I think he finished uh yeah, I'm just looking now. He finished third among All Sense defensemen in uh um oh that was just never, that was just for Um seventh among defensemen in Corsi Four. So that seems about right if uh, and one of those defensemen were JBD. So um yeah, I give him seat. Like I, I didn't think he did anything special out there, but wasn't brutal either
1: yeah he's another one that just met my expectations a solid b like i was fine with the contract extension especially since he seems like exactly the type of veteran you want around the team but even then i wouldn't even have him penciled in as a top six next year like he's got to earn that over the rookies which hopefully get a fair shot next year so it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle like the defensive core in camp next year
0: yeah, like, he'd be the perfect option to be that number seven in case JVD or Thompson don't work out, right? Like, that's the exact type of player you should be wanting to keep around. And I think he kind of seems like he'd be okay sitting a couple games if it means a rookie's in the lineup. And, and you know, I would even be okay seeing, like, a platoon of him, JVD, Thompson, and, I don't know, throw throw another guy. I mean, Hamnick will have to be in there, but I, in an ideal world, Hamnick's not on the team. But if there's four or five guys rotating out every fifth game or whatever, I would be okay with that, you know? And even if that means you know Lassie Thompson sits out every fifth game, I think that would be okay. Like give it, give his legs a rest or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I thought he was fine. Um, the only other one I thought was uh, Josh Brown. You know, obviously got traded. I I'm giving him a D plus. Uh, the best thing about him, I think, is that he got traded this year. Again, maybe not his fault. wasn't in the great put in greatest positions to succeed. But he just the Sens were bad when he was on the ice, and I think he was a big part.
1: Same agree for me. You summed up my exact thoughts. He was not making the team better.
0: <laughs> yeah, and again, like him and Mete together were just so, so painfully, painfully bad. Um, that I don't want to ever see that again and probably won't have to. Um, all right, let's go to the goaltending then. Uh, three gold engines I have written down. Uh, let's start with the easiest one in my opinion, and that's Anton Forsberg. Uh, easy A for me, maybe even an A plus. Um, I don't expect this to continue going. like I don't just, I'm not penciling him in to be a nine-sixteen going forward or anything like that, but the fact that that's what he was this year, uh, I don't know how you can give him anything but an A or higher.
1: Yep, A-plus for me. Like, this is a guy at the start of the season who looked like he was going to be out of an NHL job coming in the next year. I don't know if you remember, like, he struggled hard at the start of the season where everyone was going, well, I guess this is the end of Forsberg's NHL career, unfortunately. And then somehow out of nowhere, he just found his game and ran that stretch to the end of the season. Now, obviously, like you said, can you pencil that in for next year? I'm not quite so sure, but if he ends up playing like he did this year, that's going to be probably one of the biggest steals of the contracts on the Sens. Yeah.
0: And like, even if you can just be a tandem guy and throws like nine, 10 goaltending for you, I think that would be useful. Um, Cause the other thing, and we'll get into Gustafson in a second as well, but like, what do you see them doing with their goaltending tandem going forward here? Because Murray's such a question mark, you know, Gustafson didn't have the greatest year and you got Forsberg who I think is also a big question mark to the point where it's like, I don't think you can go out and get another goalie, but if this is what they're going in with, I think there's going to be a lot to try and figure out heading into next year.
1: Oh yeah. It's going to be interesting. I think a lot of it is going to depend on Matt Murray's health, right? Like the team I'm guessing probably hasn't penciled in as being on the IR sometime next year. And that's why they're okay. Probably going to be carrying three goalies with Gustafson on the one way but we'll see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think there was a quote I saw from Dorian this week that was saying, you know, oh, we'll use this to our advantage having three goalies on the roster, the idea of having three goalies on the roster. And I don't know if that – it would be interesting, that's for sure. I mean, I can't imagine sitting in the press box is much worse than sitting on a bench if you're just rotating guys in every couple games. So, um, you know, we saw – I think Columbus did it a couple years ago. Uh, when they were swept Tampa that one year in 2018. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting because, obviously, let's get to Matt Murray here. Um, when he did play, he looked a lot better. Like, that stretch in between January and uh, March, I think it was, he looked really good when he could play, but he just – he couldn't stay healthy. And for that reason, I need to give him uh, a D plus. It's not uh, – you know, when he started the year atrociously as well. Like, he, he didn't start very well. Went on, you know, got hurt, came back, played really well for a number of weeks. But if you can't stay healthy, and this is a common trend now, I don't know how you can be relied on for any stretch of time.
1: Yeah, like he's a B- minus for me just because I had those exact concerns coming this the season. Can he stay healthy? And his struggles from last year, so my bar was pretty low. And like, I don't even know if I should consider like injury as counting towards like a negative grade because... Mm-hmm. And end of the day, a player really doesn't control how often they get injured he, for the most. Yeah,
0: it's not he, – he's not choosing to get injured, that's for sure. But, you know, when it's – anyway, it just worries me so much because it's – you know, we've now gone – here's his games played over the past three years, 20 this year, 27 last year. The 27 doesn't look as bad when you consider it's a 56-game season, but still, that's on pace for, what, like 40 games in a normal season, which is not what you would think of a normal starter – uh, playing, and then uh, 38 in his final with Pittsburgh. Uh, his save percentage over that time, 899, 893, and 906. So the fact that a 906 was a drastic step up this year is uh, pretty tough. And, um, you know, it sucks because, again, like it, it's someone I want to see good, uh, do good. Like, it kind of sounded like he had a rough exit from Pittsburgh when they chose him over Flurry, and then obviously Flurry took Vegas to a cup final. Um, So I wanted to see him succeed. It's just, it has not worked. And, um, you know, part of me wonders if this team gets a little bit better defensively, if we'll see the goaltending results improve, but like Forsberg had no problem behind a equally horrible defense core. So um, I don't know. And, and then our last goalie, obviously here is Phil Gustafson. Um, I, I wanted to see, I would have been okay if they ran him, like if they didn't even resign Forsberg last year and ran with Gustafson and Murray, um that would have been an ugly safe percentage for the tandem because gustafson ends up with an 892 over 18 games uh, i think some of this is a little bit bad luck but it's fair to say he did not live up to expectations this year isn't it i give a d plus to like it just he wasn't good enough simply but
1: yeah he's a c for me like he definitely did not be expectations he's shown that he's inconsistent at this point in his career Now, the reason he moved up to a C in my grading is he did finish the year pretty strong.
0: Yeah, and I'm still holding out hope that he can be an NHL goalie at some point going forward. Like, I I want to see him get NHL starts uh, next year. And, um, you know, maybe the reason you could argue a D-plus is even a little too aggressive is it's not really his fault that he didn't get to play a ton this year. Like He only played 38 games between the AHL and the NHL. And a lot of that was because they were just shimmying him back and forth. And, you know, he would play every third or fourth game. It felt like in the NHL, even when he was up, it's like, you got to get this guy a couple more starts or start him on a back-to-back game and like two games in a row and see what he can do. Right. And I know when Forsberg's that hot, you don't want to sit him, but like, it kind of felt like at times, uh, wasn't getting a fair shake if that's fair to say. Um, I think that's probably it for goalies then. I'm trying to think. Uh definitely one other uh someone else made their start, right? Where's the fourth goalie
1: started? So I this year? Again, yeah. started so.
0: yeah, exactly. So I, I don't really need to break that down or anything like that. Uh close to a nice 889 to 308, but it was literally two games played. So um last two things I want to touch on here was management and coaching. Um let's start with the coaching first. Uh what, what were your thoughts on DJ Smith this year? Uh, total, like I, I think last year we were both kind of kind of questioning if he was the long-term fit for this team, but we're okay with what he did. Um, has that changed at all? You know, what was your expectations, and, and what do you think? How do you think he did this year?
1: I think he's pretty much a B B minus for me. Like it's pretty much a carryover from last season. He hasn't had the strongest lineup to work with, and he has shown some flexibility. Like he did keep brainstorming in the lineup to end the season. But at the same time you still have sites of playing heavy minutes so it's a give and take there i'm still not convinced he's going to be the coach to bring us to the promised land but it's hard to judge when he doesn't have like the deepest team to play in front of him
0: yeah absolutely like i could go probably cut and paste what we said last year and just put it in for this segment right here because i feel the exact same like he i think he's a good enough coach where you know when he did have a healthy lineup i kind of like the lines he was playing But he's frustrating in the way of, he's good and frustrating because he makes mistakes, but when he corrects those mistakes, he will be willing to correct those mistakes. It just feels like it takes a couple games too long, you know, like, even with the Pinto stuff, it's like, everyone could have told you that Chris Tierney was not better than Jane Pinto heading into the year. Why did we even try and start this experiment in in game one or whatever? Um, And you know, the Branstrom stuff too, where I don't know if that was, if that was him, if that was Dorian, who that was, but Branstrom did not get a shot, and then what he does, it's like, oh, he's one of our better defensemen. Let's keep him in. It's like, well, yes, like the fan base was screaming for for a long time, right? So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, um, I'm still not sold on him being the guy who takes uh, this team to the next step. That being said, I don't think it's fair to him again this year with how many injuries they battled through. And, you know, COVID just destroyed this lineup as well. Uh, I don't think it's fair to him to say that um, – know he had the tools to do a great job either right so uh, i think it's got to be one more season of let's see what he can do with a better lineup and that's going to lead us into peer dorian and i'm going to start this grading from the time we did this podcast last year which is right after last year ended so we have the draft and free agency and everything i am giving dorian a c minus and this is solely because of how much they talked out of their rear end over the summer about how many great top six forwards they were gonna look after, and you know what they were gonna do and go add to make this team better, and they just didn't do anything. And some of that might not be their fault, but you cannot be hyping up for an entire offseason how many great additions you're gonna make. And the only thing meaningful you do is move of
1: getting that off
0: off your team.
1: Yep, like if you listen to all my grades, I've given very few like below B grades. And that's the reflection of management, right? Like the, I I have the expectations of players that come in and I didn't have high expectations of many of them. And they met those expectations. And what do you get? You get a a bottom of the barrel NHL team. And that's like a pure reflection of management. So they brought in the players that we expected of them and they performed as expected. He needs to get better players. Like he needs to identify, he needs him or his pro scouts need to do a better job. I'll give him a lot of credit for the amateur side. Like he's built up our whole top, mm-hmm and talent internally which is fantastic and you could argue is a very hard thing to do but you could also argue the very hard thing to do is to compliment those players and make a strong young top end team a stanley Cup contender so just like you i give him a c minus i think the fact that he's been able to draft so well helps push him a bit higher and the fact that he does have an internal budget and we don't know what was going on behind the scenes against him that helps, I think, raise his bar a bit lower. Like you don't give him as much criticism when we don't know what he's working with. But at the same time, he's had so many like easy whiffs like that. Everyone could tell you it was a bad signing when he made it. So I have to think this is his last offseason to try and right the ship.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, I think they'll probably use this year's, they'll use injuries and COVID as a reason they underperformed and everything. And um I just don't see how if they do nothing this offseason, the team is not good again. He makes it through another offseason. Um, it's it's just bad. And like as you said, like I want to give him credit for, you know, like I think some of his trades, like the uh, the Matthew Joseph for Nick Paul trade, that's great. But then he turns around and does a third for Haminick up when they weren't even asking for a third round pick. They were asking for a fourth, which he didn't have. So he gave him more of an asset. It's like what are we doing here, dude? Like, this is not out of UGM. <laughs> We're not in a good way anyways, right? So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, this has to be his last offseason to do, to make a noticeable improvement. Like, if they're still bottom 10, you know, seventh overall kind of in the draft after next season, I cannot. I just, I cannot see how he he lasts, especially if it's, like, just noticeable errors where it's, you know, they don't do anything this off season. The team is just kind of mediocre again, right? Or like, like if all three goalies go down with ACL tears or something next year and they just can't get a stop to save their life, it's like, okay, yeah, that's probably not your fault. But if it's just, yeah, this team lacks a lot of depth and their defense still sucks. It's like, hey, well, this is year six of that. (laughs) Like we can't have that anymore, right? So.
1: Yeah, the way I've always put it best with Dorian is it's death by a thousand cuts. He never makes any like super terrible move, but it's just a lot of little moves that add up and don't improve the team and slowly losing assets from your asset pool, right? Like think of all the draft picks that we traded. We could have used those draft picks years ago to unload Zyte's out of his contract.
0: Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned earlier on an internal budget, you need to be doing the opposite of that. You need to be getting all those little edges in your favor to try and offset, you know, a team like Toronto that can spend, hundreds of millions of dollars just in you know other ways or you know dead cap money to to raise their uh uh, ltir money or whatever if they need as well like you should be trying to find those little edges the other way not spending assets to go even just move up in the draft and stuff like that to go get like a tyler Clevin. you know that that's a little thing but it's like those are the things you should be looking at and trying to go the other way with it to you know just think a little differently and push outside the box so um, yeah, it'll be interesting what they do this offseason. Uh, if it's a quiet one, I think Dan will rightfully be very disappointed. Um, you know, they, they're already kind of, I, I saw Gary Ock was throwing um, Fiala as one of the names out there and Giroux, I think was tied as well. So uh, I, I don't know if they actually get a big name like that. But I, I do hope they're at least calling about guys like Brock Besser and Kevin Fiala and, you know, I mean, hell, it'd be awesome if they could get one of those two guys and Giroux signed as a free agent. Uh, that is a, a pipe dream, I think, at this point. But, hey, we can hope, right? Um, thank you so much for joining me, man. Uh, plug some software. Can people find you? Uh, anything you want to plug, really.
1: Yep, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at BringBackLee. And hopefully if we do this again next year, it's with a much more positive tone. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd love to give out just a ton of A's to every, you know, with the depth and everything. Like, that would be uh, awesome, you know, and it, uh, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting year for sure. I, I think this roster could look a lot different, especially at the bottom part of it, than than we saw at the end of this year for sure. And um, yeah, thank you so much for joining me. This was a blast and and we'll definitely have to do uh, round three again
1: next year. Yep. Thanks for having me.
0: Huge thanks to Kevin, as mentioned. And, uh, hope everyone enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed doing it. It's one of my favorite podcasts of the year and we'll definitely have to do a part three uh, after next year. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much, uh, for listening. Um, uh, I'm assuming most of you probably realize that I haven't been posting too much lately, kind of mentioned it during this podcast, but past couple weeks just, uh, took a toll on me mentally, I think in terms of, uh, been pretty busy in my personal life and with a whole bunch of different stuff starting, I I felt like I didn't really have time to do the podcast uh, to the degree I wanted to, but that's going to change over the summer here. I'm hoping to get every other week going again. Um, So there should be two episodes a month at least coming from me. Uh, And I'll still be doing my uh, normal hockey podcast, the M&M Hockey Podcast with Chase McGallum. That's a weekly one if you want to hear me a little more still. Um, Still planning on big things coming up for the summer and into this next year. Uh, I just honestly, they, it, it's, I know it's probably been over a month now, maybe even two since I, I last posted and I apologize for that. It's just, uh, been, been busy in my personal life. So, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope that changes and, uh, um, it feels like there was a lot and also not a lot that I missed. Obviously I haven't recorded since the passing of Eugene Melnick and, um, you know, I, I'm sure it'll get brought up at different times this summer, uh, but, uh. You know, just condolences to his family, I think, is the most important thing at the time and even now, um, you know, keeping them in mind. So, um, yeah, I plan on being back uh, maybe even next week, but uh, maybe in two weeks. I, I got an exciting guest coming up. Uh, and uh, if there's anyone you and uh, anyone people want to hear, you know, give me a shout. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at last word on sends or myself on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff. I'm still I'm getting back into watching a lot of hockey. Uh, the playoffs have kind of, um, you know, started uh, the momentum again for me, and I'm, re- I'm really enjoying it. And, um, you know, every time I watch it, all I can think is, is man, I can't wait for Ottawa to be back. So, uh, yeah, if there's any podcast ideas or anything, any guests you want to hear, uh, please let me know uh, on either on Twitter or in the comments on wherever you're listening to this. Um, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find all my work at lastcourt.hockey.com. Um, that's another change as well since I last recorded. I've uh, stepped down from being the managing editor there. I am now just uh, an editor, and I'm hoping that means I'm going to get to write more, which means more Sense content that I'm super excited to bring. Um, So, yeah, thank you everyone so much for the support, as always, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.